Hello, welcome to part two of the series I'm currently doing, which is a personal journey. And if you did not listen to part one yet, you might want to go back and just listen to part one so that this episode makes sense. But essentially in part one, I talked about the start of my fertility journey as we tried to conceive baby number two and the miscarriage that broke my heart as the first baby I ever lost to a miscarriage. So part two is going to be just the next part of that journey. And yeah, this one is titled, I never thought I would be here because that's truly how I have felt so many times, especially in the last few months. So let's just, yeah, let's get into it. In last week's episode, I shared about my first pregnancy loss, which happened last year, as I said, and uh, this is part two. So after my uterine surgery, I went to the U.S. They removed the growth from my uterus, and uh, it was a polyp, so just a really large polyp that was a third of the size of my uterus, and my medical team then told me that I needed to go to a fertility specialist for next steps, back to the fertility specialist, I should say. And the team's decision was that I would probably end up with needing IVF based on a few different things. Um, Although at this point, the diagnosis that they had given me was unexplained secondary infertility because there were no real indicators like between my husband or I, there were no real indicators that they could say like, this is the problem, especially after they removed the growth. But just because of my age and all the other things, they basically said, look, if I were you, I would do IVF. We had not actually put IVF on the table because it was just not in our purview at all. And so we asked for what we could do before that. So we did do, I want to say, we did a few months of Clomid and, um, and progesterone and things like that, which none of that worked. And so we ended up realizing that we probably did need to have a serious conversation about IVF And the medical team told me that we would need to act fast if that was the route we were going to take. And so my husband and I, Brendan is his name, Brendan and I decided we were going to push forward. And almost a year after our first miscarriage, we embarked on the IVF path. If you have ever done IVF, you understand the enormous financial, emotional, mental, physical journey that is involved in IVF. And prior to my own experience, I am very, very ashamed about how I was so unhelpful to friends who had journeyed through IVF before 
um, when I was younger, before I had any of this experience. If any of you, by the way, if any of you are listening, I am so deeply sorry. I really don't think that unless you've walked the road, like you truly get it, the enormity of it, the anxiety of it, the also like there's some excitement to it, especially by the time so many people get to IVF, there's been a lot of waiting and pain and heartbreak, right? And so you feel like maybe this is your step that's going to get you closer to your baby. So there's excitement there as well. But I had no idea the toll it would take on my life and on my body, on my relationship, on my identity. And, you know, thankfully, financially, it was fine, but we've been able to finance it. But it is literally like I could have, you know, put a down payment on a house. And that is in a system where even some of my treatments are covered by like just the Canadian healthcare system, the public system. So blood tests and things like that are still covered. So yeah, it's just a very, very big toll and hundreds of injections. I had to do 90% of them myself because my husband was away for a period of time. Uh, He had to be working out of a different city for a while. And so I'm like solo parenting my six-year-old. I'm running a multi-six-figure business. I have the dog and the house and all the craziness. And on top of that, I have so many appointments, medical appointments that I'm navigating, hundreds of injections that I'm, and medications and things that I'm doing, the hormones and the the changes in, in my body and all of it, right? It was just a lot. And thank goodness I had my tools in my toolkit because it was something that like was, I was able to stay grounded and calm and hopeful and connected to throughout that roller coaster experience. I feel like really, really, really proud of myself to be honest, for how I navigated a lot of the things that came up in that. Just every single phase of IVF, there's the testing, the initial testing, and then there's an egg retrieval. And then after the egg retrieval, there is the fertilization. And then you've got embryos. And then depending on whether you're doing a fresh cycle or a frozen cycle, or if you're doing genetic testing, they in different clinics will want the embryo to grow to different periods of growth. So for us, it was day five. So we did like the egg retrieval and then we did the fertilization and then we did the genetic testing and then you're waiting. There's like a loss of numbers at every one of those stages and and there's a period of time between all of the steps. So you're just waiting anxiously like, did we get enough eggs? Did enough, were enough of them mature enough to be fertilized? Did enough of them... Uh, grow to like day five and then of the ones that grew how many of them tested genetically normal and you know it's just like every stage is just like you're holding your breath and you're bracing for impact so at least that was true for us I should say because I know everyone has their own experience but you do feel very vulnerable and anyways 
After going through all of that, we were finally at our first embryo transfer day and I was so peaceful. It was weird. Like I, I didn't know what to expect, um, at all. As we were driving to the clinic, there was a rainbow in the sky and I cried while my husband held my hand. And I really felt like this was God's sign to me saying like, you're going to get your rainbow baby. And to anybody who doesn't know what a rainbow baby is, your rainbow baby is a baby after a miscarriage. So I felt like that was a sign. Um, We went to the transfer. It was quite uneventful. It was also probably the most uncomfortable of the procedures that I had done. I just like really had to pee the whole time. So it's like this really sacred, beautiful experience where the embryologist comes into the room and there's a camera on this like giant screen in front of you and the embryologist has been taking care of your embryo essentially and then the doctor is like this is the embryologist this is your embryo and I'm the doctor that's going to transfer it you can watch on the screen as we take the embryo from the Petri dish and we transfer it into your uterus where we hope the embryo will implant. And you're watching this all on the big screen. I was just me in the room with the doctor and the embryologist. And there was this tiny little like moment on the screen where I saw the embryo go into my uterus. And that was really special. And also I just remember being like, I really, 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 really have to pee because they need a super full bladder and it was uncomfortable. So all of that was maybe 15 minutes, 20 minutes. And then I went back to the waiting room for, uh, we did acupuncture and I had a support team in the room with me to keep me calm and relaxed after the procedure. And afterwards, Brennan and I went Uh, we had a day together to just kind of be in the energy of all of it. And there was a second rainbow in the sky. And I was like, holy shit, like this is definitive. This is going to work. I'm so excited. And I just felt really confident that it would all work. You have to wait two weeks. Um, Well, I think in some clinics they test earlier, but for me it was two weeks And the two-week wait was really agonizing. At this point, you have no idea if it works or doesn't work. A lot of people will take pregnancy tests at home to like watch it, but I didn't do that because I knew that it wasn't just about like if you were pregnant or not. It was also about the numbers, your betas, how much of the HCG hormone was in your body and like you want it to double. So I knew that there was more to just like you're pregnant or you're not pregnant and I didn't want, like, I, w- I wanted to protect myself, I think, from any of the heartache there. So I didn't take any at-home pregnancy tests during that period. I, I kind of took, like, a very scientific approach to the process because my heart was on the line. If you know me, I'm, like, a pretty emotional person. But also, when it comes to really big things, I can be super, super grounded and calm and chill. And, and this was like really vulnerable for me. My heart was on the line. I really wanted it to work. So I just took a scientific approach and I was like, we'll just find out when they give me my labs. We'll find out 
firstly, if it worked and then also how well it worked, like how much my numbers are doubling. And so at the two week mark after my embryo transfer, they called me and they told me we were pregnant and it was with a baby girl. I quite literally collapsed. I, my knees literally just buckled from the pressure of it all. And it was like my whole body had been bracing for impact for not just the two weeks, but like months and months and months. And finally, again, God is answering my prayer. Like it's working. I'm having a rainbow baby. They were so happy with my numbers uh, for the next week or two. They're also tracking your numbers every two to three days to make sure they keep doubling. Mine were really high, really strong, like really good. And uh, then we had the first ultrasound where we got to see her heartbeat. And after that, they really relaxed a little bit. So it was like, oh, thank God. Like, we're pregnant. We're having a baby girl. Like my dream is coming true. Isla's going to have a sister. And then soon thereafter, my pregnancy symptoms hit with a vengeance. I was diagnosed with severe morning sickness. I threw up 10 times a day, most days, well into the second trimester. And I was so happy through all of that. I had lots of energy. I was just on cloud nine. I had gone through so many injections and so many procedures and so much anxiety that I was like, who cares about a little bit of throwing up? Like we've got this, but you know, it was, if you've had HG, which is the term for severe morning sickness, you know, it's hard. I literally couldn't even stomach a prenatal vitamin And at the same time, I was still doing weekly injections because when you do IVF, like that's part of the protocol until 10 weeks. So you're still doing the injections to support the pregnancy. Again, none of this bothered me because I had prayed for this baby for literally three years. At this point, I'm just so thankful. I'm pregnant with a baby girl and it was all like working, you know, uh, I was still like very nervous about all the ultrasounds because throughout my previous pregnancy, I'd had numerous scans that determined the viability and uh, we had received bad news from an ultrasound. And so like that was all very traumatic for me. And I was scared for every single appointment that they would give me bad news this time around too. But the scans continued to be good. Her heartbeat was beautiful. We heard it loud and clear. She was strong. She was even growing ahead of schedule. And we did two genetic tests. They both came back totally perfect. And now we've sailed into the second trimester. My doctor says to me, you can relax. You can enjoy your pregnancy. There's less than a 1% chance of miscarriage. Everything looks perfect. She is gorgeous. We're good. Um, I just felt super at ease. I shared our happy news with friends and family. We did a reveal and everyone celebrated with us and my belly grew and I felt those beautiful baby kicks and I was just, I've never been happier for a very long time. 
And I, it, I was just felt so thankful that there was life inside my womb, you know, like feeling those little butterfly kicks. And every time I threw up, I was like, she's growing. And I just felt so, so, so happy. And we exhaled. We gained certainly my naivety of the dreamy, smooth sailing, awesome pregnancy I had with Isla. Like that is something that I just will never, like that's just gone for me for sure. Uh, But I did decide to try my best to actually enjoy this pregnancy now that everything was cleared. And after three years, you know, everything was coming together. I just, I feel so sick even thinking about what happened next. So I'm going to pause because I'm too emotional. And it's probably good timing because part three is next. And there's a wise version of me that decided to stop there in writing out part two because I'm going to need to regroup before I share part three. And... I will be back next week with part three.